Hey there, it's me, Aubrey. Do you like what you hear on the Ask Aubrey podcast and find yourself thinking about what it would be like to work with me directly? For me to weigh in on the things you're going through and help to support you through it on a path toward growth and wellness and self-worth? Well, you can hire me as your coach. I'm a certified life coach specializing in self-worth for women and queer people. I have a few slots open for life coaching clients in the new year, and I offer a totally free consultation, including a sample coaching session, so you can see what coaching is like and decide if it's right for you at no cost. If you're interested or even just curious, you can sign up for your free sample session at my website. That's aubreyhenderson.com. Let's talk. I can't wait to support you as you grow towards your goals and into your best and most gorgeous self. Hey there, my name is Aubrey Henderson. I'm a self-worth coach and professional calm in the chaos. I believe that when you're feeling stuck in your life and you can't decide on the next right step, that getting some perspective or a pep talk from someone outside of your shoes can be an absolute game changer. This podcast is that pep talk. Every week, I'll share my responses to listener questions, real life coaching sessions, and interviews about topics that you can connect with and learn from. All things that will help you to reconnect with your own self-worth and inner goodness and vision for your life so you can feel great and get shit done. Welcome to Ask Aubrey. I'm so glad you're here. Hey babes, on this episode of the podcast, I'm going to be doing another coaching session. And so in this conversation today, I am chatting with someone who is struggling with feelings of being a bit of a workaholic. And so she's really struggling with the transition from, you know, for most of her adult life, she has really been super busy all of the time, working at some points, multiple jobs being in cultural contexts where, you know, you're always going, going, going to now being in a different context and different life setup where things are a little more chill. Things are a little bit more relaxed and have slowed down a bit and she's struggling to enjoy it because she's still very much in this sort of hustle, work, work, work mentality. And so, you know, we're going to chat through strategies to help her to really kind of live into some relaxation and, you know, slow her brain down a little bit. And so this episode is for you if you have ever taken a day off but struggled to not feel guilty that you're not being productive on your day off or, you know, if you've logged on to do work on a vacation day because you don't know what to do with yourself if you're not working or if you're not doing a task. Um hopefully you'll find value in this episode today. So if you enjoy it, please uh, take a screenshot of you listening, share it on social and tag me. And I hope you enjoy. Let me know what you think. So I did want to talk about, um, I think just the disposition of being a workaholic. Oh, yeah. Tell me more. Um, and I think more just like I've noticed, you know, before, like, you know, in my past of like going to a counselor or, you know, just being a more mindful person and reading and doing research and stuff like there's obviously some part of it. It's probably based in anxiety, which I do suffer mm-hmm. from, mm-hmm. but it's more so that, that I, I've noticed it now, um, now that I'm a full-time PhD student. Mm-hmm part-time researcher slash uh, teacher, instructor, person, Mm -hmm. full-time partner, living abroad. Yeah. um, That, what was I going to say? It's like, it's not just like wanting to dive into work. It's like everything I do. So taking anxiety is like, oh, I know running is really good. I can't just go for a run. I have to sign up for a half marathon. I can't just read a book. I have to read a hundred pages in She Said Tonight. <laughs> like, 
I can't just cook a meal. I have to cook enough for meal planning for the whole week. Yeah. <laughs> and I know you're laughing because you probably have seen this yes. in action uh-huh. as my prior roommate. Uh-huh. <laughs> living, living here in Australia has made me realize how weird the, the word roommate is since neither oh. I, I or you are sh- shared a room. <laughs> no, we did not. That is interesting because that's, that is so the vernacular here. Like that's just what yeah. people say, even if you don't that's, share a room. Makes- Although I think it stems from college roommates, right? Because you do totally. actually share a room. Anyway. Interesting. Anyway, okay. So I think it's it's sort of the thing where, um, so I don't know how the coaching session will play out, but it's sort of the, um, I know you've seen it in real time. It's not, of course, like I could get swept up into 15 hours of reading and writing and doing work and prototyping and whatever that means in my life. <laughs> every day all day but it, it manifests into like it like all my hobbies and it's just like I just go to extra all the time interesting for whatever reason for whatever so you say for whatever reason but you're also giggling a little bit so I'm curious yeah. do you do you have feel like you have a sense of why what is the what is the why yeah, there's probably like 30 reasons, right? So there's like being like much as yourself, but I'll speak for my own. Of like being a working class kid, the constant fear of not having money. So you probably do too much at work so you don't get fired. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe that extends to competitiveness of yourself of like trying to constantly prove that sort of chip on the shoulder aspect of like, if I'm going to run, I'm going to run all of the miles. If I'm going to cook, I'll be really good at this thing. And, you know, just like all the little things that manifest. But I think why I'm giggling is because now I'm at an aspect of my life and probably a lot of our friends and family are where it's like intellectually we hold that we're not working class anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we legally can't get fired <laughs> for what we are holding in our hearts probably <laughs> um well all depends on what you're holding in your heart and what you release <laughs> through your mouth but yes it's like even if we feel like an imposter we know intellectually we're not going to just randomly get fired one day and sure um you know it's like intellectually you could hold that things have changed but the the sort of like um mannerisms or disposition that you actually work within that sort of manner of work I think has not changed it's sort of that like comes from a place of fear comes from a place of like scarcity and it's like and I don't know what it is like um like it's obviously really easy to think like oh it's general anxiety oh it's living abroad and so I'm you know probably more anxious, more out of my comfort zone, which I think is always a good thing. But, um, you know, there's change, even though it's chosen change, it's still change. I right. move, you know, a PhD, <laughs> getting your PhD will really uncover some, some stuff you don't work through. That's what, I, that's what I've heard from so many people who have, are getting in progress of getting them or who have gotten a PhD yeah. that that, yeah. that is a transformative process. <laughs> Is what I'm learning than one. Thankfully, I've noticed just in like the last, I mean, I've only done it for, um, you know, I started last July. So how many months is that? (laughs) 16-ish months? Yeah. Those who have, because my research lab is made up of, I don't know, 20 people. Those who have not worked through their stuff, it comes up, it surfaces in your PhD. (laughs) You can't get away. Wow. Yeah. So I think I don't really have a question. It's just an interesting thing that like I have noticed and I always just thought it was like a New York City hustle thing. You know, it's Mm. like everybody has a side hustle. Everybody's working, grinding, getting through it. It's scrappy. But I don't need to do that here in this lovely country of Australia. (laughs) It's wild. (laughs) But my my work habits have not changed or just like my 
approach to things have not changed. And so I found that to be interesting. I cannot relax. <laughs> so, you know, it's really funny that you say that because <clears throat> I was with my spouse this weekend mm -hmm. and we were in Vermont and it was just much calmer. We were driving around in a car, which is not something we do here in New York. We, um, you know, of course, are like driving around and seeing like beautiful homes and like some of them for sale. And we like to fantasize mm. about like what life will be if and when one day we can afford to purchase a home that is not in New York City. And she said, what she, she said some variant of like, you know, I just think about how much energy I had when I lived in Nashville because mm -hmm. she, you know, lived in the city and then moved to Nashville for grad school, which is when we met and then we moved mm -hmm. back. And she was like, you know, when I was in Nashville, I had all this energy because when I'm in New York, it just, it tires me out. Mm -hmm. uh, and like, there's so much about being in New York that is draining, whether it's just like the logistical, like commuting with a bajillion other people or like going up and down 28 flights of stairs a day and breathing in toxic chemicals constantly, like whatever it is. All of those things are exhausting and drain you. Mm. And so she noticed that like being outside of New York, she had all of this energy mm. still. And it sounds like some of that feels similar to what you're describing where it's like, and she, and what she said to me was like, she said, I think it's going to be similar for you, meaning mm. me, Aubrey, if we move, she was like, you're going to be so bored. <laughs> I am. Like, um, it's. It's funny, like a few years ago when I was speaking to my then counselor therapist, you know, because it was the first time I ever had health insurance, which was amazing Oh my God. as an adult. Yeah. And it was right, right after I came back from Peace Corps. And so I was like, I think it'd be really smart to go into therapy, which I had never done before, but I knew intellectually I should because, you know, it's yeah. just the world we live in now. We talk about these things, which is great. And I was talking about all this stuff and... She asked me if I, like, what my, like, hobbies were. And, like, to ask any millennial who's going in grad school in New York what hobbies they had, like, obviously I laughed. It's like, well, first of all, I need a weekend. <laughs> I need time. <laughs> if I'm not working, I'm sleeping. Yes. Like, that's, that's what New York is oftentimes for young people. Yes. But it's sort of like, I don't think I have an answer for that anymore. Like, so this was... I was 27, 28, mm -hmm. 27, 28 when she asked me that question. And I don't think I have an answer for it. I think I still, I was like, uh, you know, I, I read, <laughs> but oh my only God. when I'm awake enough because I'm also dyslexic. <laughs> so sure. Sure. Sometimes that's not a relaxing moment. Um, but it's, it's funny that it's like, I think this like disposition towards being a workaholic has made it so though now that I live in a country that has a nice quality of life and they take their weekend seriously and no one emails me after 6 p.m and I have all this time and energy to that point yes. about not living in New York yeah and it's like what do I do now I have a very clean home I could tell you that <laughs> oh my god I um I just went to look for this tweet because I now everything that you're saying is like, I have like a recent reference to where the same sentiment has come up for me, which is like one, a testament to like how similar I think mm -hmm. like my own experiences of this, like every th single thing you're saying is resonating. But I read this, <laughs> this tweet, it was in someone's Instagram story and I'm not going to like go dig for it, but it's, um, somebody basically said like any good millennial knows that like the best part about a weekend or like the, the best way to think about a weekend is that it's, it's, um, it's like a time that you can actually get more work done because people aren't bothering you. <laughs> is that like, do our, does our generation not have hobbies anymore? Is that a thing? Like, and it's funny cause like, and I think it's, it's part that part anxiety part, the fact that I, I genuinely love to work. I really do. And, and I'm fortunate enough to have work that I love. Yeah. And my work gets to teach and research, whatever that means for me. Um, 
and it's really great. But like, I can't turn my mind off. And I think a lot of that comes from the expectation that our work just does not stop. Yeah. And it's like, maybe our first job stops, but then it's either like networking or going to talks or watching things and like the strategic social ladder movement stuff is just it gets to a point where obviously it's unhealthy but it's sort of like it loses you lose your identity in it and you lose all these other things which I I don't want to speak for other people but it's sort of like I'm, I'm 33 years old going to turn 34 in a few months and I don't have a hobby this is weird like this is strange and obviously there's things that I love doing I love going outside bringing my dog places, my stepdog, as I call her. Uh, and like, you know, love going out know, with friends and family, but it's sort of like, if you leave me alone in the house for a couple of days, I don't know what to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, what do people do? Well, and like, and I don't know if you have this too, but like I, if you leave me alone in the house for a couple of days, mm-hmm. I immediately start to make a list of like, what are all the things I can accomplish that I can do? Oh my God, that's the best. And you get them done. Yes. Well, I almost never do. That's the difference. See, there's the difference between you and I is Uh, follow through. (laughs) I almost never get them done because I, I just end up crashing, just totally crashing. Where it's like, oh my God, I have free time. Like I'm going to do all these things. And then I'm like, but let me watch 15 minutes of Netflix. And then that turns into six and a half hours. And this you is see, all- I think that's what it is. It's like, I can't binge watch. T- I can't watch TV. This, it's. Wow. That's that, like a, a gift and a curse. It's, it starts as one and then ends up the other, but it's sort of like, so for instance, like I come home at, at four, maybe 5 PM. <laughs> yeah. What it's crazy. Yeah. So say on an average day, I come home, I'm half tired, but you know, maybe I could go for a run. Maybe I don't, maybe I make some dinner. I still have all this time. What do people do? Watch TV. The minute I sit and watch TV, I either get bored. I want to do other things. I'm anxious. And it's sort of like in that moment, I'm like, I'm going to wander around the house and find chores to do is what I'm going to do. I'm going to find a project. Oh my God. It's like, it's, some days yeah. I'm just like, I'm being productive. But then other days I'm like, this doesn't feel natural. Interesting. I mean, but I, neither does living in like a two floor condo sure. <laughs> with a balcony. You just keep rubbing that outdoor space in my face. And I honestly kind of feel furious about it. It's fine. Well, though. to be fair, I do suffer for al- from allergies for the first time in my entire life. So I suffer from hay fever all the time. So that helps. Wowee. Yeah. yeah. That's I'm rough. like a ner- I'm proper nerdy academic who sneezes because of grass. And then you push your glasses up your nose. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so I, I do feel curious. Do you, is it causing you distress? This? Oh, you know, obviously. Kind of- it's me, a constant state of distress over here. <laughs> just, my, just my baseline, <laughs> and it's like I, I think I, I don't notice it unless I'm near other people because they're like, "Can you just sit down and relax?" And the answer is, of course, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you so much. No, I can't. Can't. And but I, I think I cut you off in the middle of your question. No, I mean, that mostly was it. Like, do you, are you experiencing distress as a result of it? I mean, I also think it's so interesting because a lot of what you're describing is just like, one, you talked about kind of like the growing up working class and like, I thought you were going to turn your chair all the way around, like sassily look over your shoulder at me. I thought that's what you were doing. Okay. Thank you for, thank you for doing that. Um, a lot of what it is, I think, is like you described this, this experience of growing up working class and, mm-hmm. you know, feeling like you have to like hustle to make ends meet and like mm-hmm. you need to be working, you need to be constantly, you know, demonstrating your worth. And then some of that is also like simply capitalism, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, which, you know, comes with its own challenges. 
<laughs> so what I'm hearing, no, but it's true. It's like, if you ask, I mean, it's such a pr privilege to like say things like, oh, I don't have any hobbies. I know that's just a symptom of something larger, but it's like, obviously I'm at the state. I think the larger aspect, so there's capitalism, <laughs> the overarching <laughs> cause of all our stress. Sure. But then like, just looking at my immediate family, right? Like my brother had kids young, got married young, so he has not stopped working. <laughs> sure. I went to college, still don't have kids. I'm in, uh, you know, I have a relationship, but we don't have, you know, we're not married yet. We don't have kids yet. We will. If I play my yeah! cards right. Yeah. Love it. But, um, and so I'm like, I'm at the state of privilege, right? That my parents wanted for me. If, if you ask me what hobbies they have, I'd say <sighs> sitting down, <laughs> drinking a my beer. Number, my number one hobby. <laughs> <laughs> it's like my, parent, my family doesn't have hobbies. Like I don't come from a family that has hobbies. They don't have time. Like what are you talking about? <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. It's not funny. I'm just still stuck on stage. It now. is. I mean, you know, my mom and you met my dad. It's like, they, like, they don't, my, so it's a problem of like, it's like, you know, first generation college kid problem where it's like the whole, like, if you are fortunate enough to come from some sort of caring structure, they want you to go to college, get a good life, get to have a good job, a career, whatever that is. Yeah. But like, you're not prepared for the stuff that comes with it, obviously. The culture shock stuff, all of that stuff, the code switching. But then there's like other little things of like, what do you do with free time? What's free time? What do you, what does that mean? <laughs> what do I, what do I do now? <laughs> yeah. Certainly there's a fire somewhere I need to squash out. Like, yeah. what do you mean? Uh, you just work until you fall asleep, right? That's how this works. Every day, all day, until you're 65 and a half, or whatever it is. Right. For right. our generation, will be probably 75. Yikes. <laughs> Listeners were crying. Oh, just, just deep tears. You know, yeah, it's, and so someone once said to me, and this is somebody I respect very much, reflected back to me, like there is a way of being in the world when you grew up with scarcity. So like when you grew up poor, when you grew up in neglect, when you grew up without, you know, something that you need, that you kind of exist in that scarcity mentality. And yeah, and we, you know, we have that around for different people around so many things, but this like scarcity mentality. And like when you grow up working class, when you grow up without like financial resources, um, that's like, you feel that acutely and it's programmed into you. I mean, it's like stuff that is reminiscent in your, like you feel it in your body. It like actually yeah. is like in your body. And so it's not just a like, Oh, like for a little while there, you know, when I was 28, I like was unemployed and it was stressful. It's like, no, it's actually like when you were like formatively becoming a human person and like figuring out how to be in the world, yeah. money was a scarce resource. And the message you got was like, hmm. we got to work, work, work. That's how you make money. That's how you survive. Yeah. And, and it's so funny because it's like, I do notice it only because people sort of make fun of me, including you. Like when we lived together and I would go to um, Key Foods. Oh, Key Food. Love Key Food. I love Key Food. And I would get my, I would only buy things that were on, um, I'm, I'm starting to lose all the American words now. Uh, what's the, like, what's the On sale. Uh, it'd be on special or on special. On special. Oh, I love that. Okay. But yes, I do so recall. On sale, anything that's on sale, including mostly the meat, like I buy clearance meat, budget oh, meat. Oh, baby Kelly and her clearance meat. And it's like, yes, I did need to do that because I was trying to like buck up and have a good saving, like actually build a savings. What? What is that? <laughs> it's a dream. Yeah. But now like I do, I'm, I'm, you know, that was what, five years ago when I started that, I'm at a place where I don't need to buy budget meat. Here I am still buying budget meat. 
<laughs> so I love a good Aldi. Who yeah. else? Who doesn't love Aldi? Who doesn't love a deal? Oh yeah. But it's like everything going to Ikea, buying the cheapest things I can. And like, thankfully my partner who loves bougie things is like, you don't need to buy cheap instant coffee. And I was like, what? <laughs> Wait a minute. In fact, you she's like, please coffee. don't buy the cheap instant coffee. <laughs> but it's everything. It's like the notebook to like the, it, it, it's like the hustle doesn't go away to the point where I, I in, like know that I need to stop because it's just going to, it's just an unhealthy thing now, right? It's like, I don't have yeah. to hustle, but I'm still hustling. Even if it's over stupid things like budget me. I mean, and it's, it's really funny that you bring up that example too. And I also love how this is turning less into like coaching as much as it's literally like, let us talk about our experiences as like, is that not what this no, is? This is amazing. Um, but no, like I mean, it's hard because I I didn't come to you with like a specific thing. No, this is this is really good. I mean, I also think like a ton of people are gonna hear this and be like, yes. I mean, I just feel like I I talk to so many folks who have this experience. And I mean, for me, it's funny that you bring up the the clearance meet example because I think for me, I, you know, and our like our childhood experiences were different, but like I grew up raised by a single parent and who was a single mom of four kids at the time that I was growing up. And so like money was not like flowing all the time. And so, and like, also like my mom is a nurse. So like that was, it was not well, she has like switched jobs over time. But like at the time she was like an ER nurse, a psych nurse, like we don't pay nurses enough money. And so like, no, we don't, no, we don't capitalism. Yeah, no kidding, right? And so, you know, as a result, like it wasn't like I just my memories of childhood are a lot of like, no, we actually can't afford that right now. Like maybe mm-hmm. when I get paid, maybe it was like a lot of conversations like yeah. that. And so I think for me as an adult, that translated into <clears throat> a different like, and I mean, I would argue for you at least like your your clearance meet habit is quite adaptive. It allows you to save money, and maybe you're doing it now in a way that's like feeling not as adaptive for you because you're saying you don't need to be buying clearance meat right now. But for me, it's to like, anytime I have some money, my habit is Mm. to like go completely the other direction. Let me buy like the bougiest possible meat, which I also don't need. I don't even like eating meat that much, but like, (laughs) you know, let me buy like the expensive notebook or the like thing that, you know, maybe when yeah. I was a kid, like my mother being reasonable and trying to save money would have been like, no, we don't need that version. Like we yeah. can get the cheaper one. And it's my like active rebellion against that, which mm. is ridiculous, <laughs> but is my, you know, it's like, it's, it's really interesting to see that though. Cause in talking to people who, who grew up with that kind of like financial scarcity of any mm. kind, it's like people seem to go one of two directions, right? Where it's <laughs> like, I'm still holding on to the like poor kid mindset of let me yeah. be thrifty, let me be frugal. Um, mm. Or it's like, holy shit, I'm, I'm making some money now. Let me like go nuts, which is also not good, has not been great for me financially, <laughs> have had to reset some yeah. habits and do some serious fucking work. So, um, but that is so interesting. That's like deprogramming that you have to, you know, like decide if you want to intentionally do as an adult, because that's, that's it's it's funny that you says like, so it's 1248 PM here. Uh I must've checked my bank account four times already today. Have I gone anywhere or spent anything? Nope. (laughs) Wow. Meanwhile, I, I chronically avoid checking my bank account for (laughs) days. Sometimes it used to be weeks. Tell me, tell me what that's like. Uh, no, and I think that it, it just like it. It's hard to intellectually understand why you're doing the things you're doing and have a complete inability to stop it. And of course, it like flows into the all the other aspects of our life, right? Like being in academia with people who have no idea what this mindset is like, and it's sort of like. I don't want to be around you. I don't want to like, but it's not like they're doing anything. It's just like, ah, it's, it's more than, um, imposter syndrome. It's sort of like there, there's something about not recognizing, hmm, what's the word I'm looking for? It's like, 
coming from a place from like coming from without versus coming from with it's like two different species of people and i like i don't know how to talk to you you don't know what this is like this hustle thing like writing a grant is not the same thing as a hustle <laughs> oh wow <laughs> and it's sort of like it's so funny it's like I don't know how to explain it. It's not like anyone's doing anything. It's like, it, it just, it, it comes into and bleeds into everything. Like all the decisions you make, all of the like, places you want to go. Uh, like I don't come, like I could just, I could, we could get up and go on a holiday right now. Vacation, sorry. <laughs> we, could, <laughs> we, could, we could go on vacation for a week and it'd be fine. But like, yeah. Do I want to go on vacation? No. <laughs> should no. I probably? I mean, I should. Friends tell are coming me, in. Tell me though why you don't want to go on vacation. What makes you say no? It's like you come like for 33 years, right? Like I didn't, I didn't grow up without, right? I beautiful family, roof over my head, finally had air conditioning at some age. <laughs> it's great. At some age, yes. <laughs> We had air conditioning. It was great. Um, at some teenage year, it was wonderful. Um, had an electric typewriter at some point. Wow. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. I think I aged myself there, but I wrote my fourth grade hurricane paper. I wrote a paper about hurricanes for the science fair on an electric typewriter. It was so much fun. Anyway. Um, what was your question? <laughs> you were just saying, I asked why you don't want to go on, uh, on holiday. I think it's like, a mindset of like, finally, finally, I have this thing that my entire life has been programmed to think that I would never have, or like, it's some fantasy, right? Like, it's like, oh, one day I'll own a house or one day I'll have some sort of a savings thing one day right and it's like well that that was that was last week I, I'm, it's here right and it's sort of like oh, the last thing i'm going to do now <laughs> is spend that or act on it or mm. figure out what a hobby is because <laughs> the fear that you'll lose it i don't know probably i mean obviously there's always the fear of like if i spend it i'll never get it again because i'm <laughs> this like fantasy of having a, a good job is obviously just temporary because <laughs> oh. it's sort of like a lot of us don't come from precedent right like we're setting our own precedent now in our new families or our new life or whatever and it's sort of like you have no compass now it's like how do i navigate all this stuff mm. yeah <laughs> i mean yeah no it totally like that totally makes sense. And it's the, it's back to that. It's back to the scarcity mindset. Like there's not, what if there's not more than where that came from? At any minute, they're going to ask me to leave my apartment, leave the country. I'll have to get a job at Key Food, my favorite place. You know, it's funny. So when I was, when we were living together, remember that laundromat I used to go to? Yes. The place that had, and one of the things I liked about it is that it had cable TV. <laughs> yes. I can't breathe. Oh my it's God. Fucking, it's so New York. It's that had the free, wait, that's the one that had the free soap one on one day of the week? The one next to Taco Bell. <laughs> Taco the one Bell, next to KFC. Food. KFC Taco Bell combo. That's important. Oh, that's right. I know it was obviously only get Taco Bell. I'm not a monster. <laughs> okay. Yes, but yes, I remember the laundromat that you loved because it so had cable TV. One, I think, because it was like, obviously I had gone through that breakup the, the first year we were living together. So oftentimes I had Friday nights off and I was like, <laughs> I need to recharge. Sure. So I would just go and like listen to a couple hours of podcasts, get my laundry done, done fold and whatever. Watch some TV. They'd always play sport. I love sport. Love <laughs> a sport. one night I was... Love a good sport. So I was, I was folding my clothes and like the guy who was like the manager or ran it, um, he was like, hey, would you want to get a job here? It took every 
ounce of energy in my body to say no, because I was going to say yes, of course. Yeah, you're going to give me a job? Sure. I'll fold laundry. I don't mind. And this is when you had a full-time job and you also were doing like freelance work on the side. Yeah. I was like, yeah, of course I fold laundry. A couple nights a week grocery money and I was like wait a minute (laughs) no Kelly no I can't breathe (laughs) again no like my my answer of course is like yes because I'm gonna have this thing I never had before and it's like no I'm fine now I don't need a third job (laughs) that's you had never told me that story before. That's amazing. <laughs> really just like, I was dealing with a few other things at the same time. So. Sure. But when you, you know, when you're going through, you're grieving a breakup, you're going through loss. The best way to heal that I've always heard is to add a side hustle at the local laundromat. And um, if you remember, my, my mother was also kind of sick during that time. Remember, my mom went, was in the hospital on and off during the same time. Right. And I was like, yeah, because instead of going home to visit my mother, who's getting through her hospital stay, I'll get a third side hustle. Oh, my God. Uh, oh. <laughs> and then you wondered why I couldn't watch Broad City. <laughs> too, too real. This- <laughs> Oh my God. This whole episode is just going to, it's going to be half like me doing my classic wheezing laugh. (laughs) (laughs) So people who are listening to this might not fully know that I, you can tell that I'm truly laughing if I'm wheezing. (laughs) As has happened a number of times in this conversation. It's like our generation is now like money is obviously a commodity, right? Like just in general, money is something that we never have. Right. But our generation now has like time, we're time poor. We don't have time. And Mm -hmm. now some of us have gone into a world where we have both now (laughs) without any way of coping with this. (laughs) Listeners, how do you cope with this? How do you cope with the lack of time and lack of money or with having time and having money? What if, so this is open to anyone, really. (laughs) Well, like the scarcity mindset thing, it fucks you up. But it's so funny because now I live in a city where like a lot of people, yes, come from a place of scarcity, but not in the way that I've known many Americans, including me, that hustle, that like straight American hustle is so real. Fuck. And like, so you, I live in a place where it almost does not exist and it's only manifests as unhealthy now for me. Like America is like the side gig economy and like, yeah, look at how many like cool networking opportunities I've made for myself. And it's like, no, (laughs) don't have five jobs. Like, yeah. you know, we shouldn't have five jobs. We shouldn't be so tired that 15 minutes into a Netflix special, we fall asleep. Like, um, uh, and so that scarcity mindset hustle, I find to not be healthy. Sure. But now that I live in an area and have a life where I don't have to have that unhealthy mindset, I still do. And so what... I'd be curious, like, what do you you say? Fix me? (laughs) Yes. So now as for that, um, what I am curious, what, um, what do you want to feel like? (laughs) That's a good question. I think so. Like in my mind, people who are able to relax sit and relax but this is gonna sound crazy I logistically don't know how to relax because the minute I have five minutes on my hand it's like oh I'm gonna vacuum I'm gonna figure out how to use the three weird ingredients in our fridge because I'm not gonna throw them out 
and I'm going to find a way to use sage and random stock leftover and some jarred jalapenos. I'm going to figure it out. Oh, I, <laughs> I was on board with sage and stock, not with the jalapeno. Um, and I'm, you know, and you've said, because I asked if this was causing you distress, and you said immediately before I even got the full question out, you said yes. But. Yeah, I think. Cause, hmm. Go ahead. Oh, uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> we were both so polite. We stopped talking. <laughs> hmm? <laughs> um, I think what it is, is like, I've recognized, because I'm, I mean, obviously, Melbourne and Australia have very similar cultures in many ways but the like constant moving that like we have like a constant generative action in america is like we're always if you're not moving forward you're moving backwards right like that kind mm. of culture yep it just it doesn't exist i mean it does exist here in individuals but in the whole now it's like ah go have a beer mate you know it's like <laughs> That's an amazing Australian accent you just did. <laughs> so literally, to for this is this is what I've been doing to force myself to relax. I will literally sit outside in the sun, nailing it, in order to catch up on all the impeachment happenings. And we won't have to get into politics, but you know, I subscribe to all these like news podcasts. Yeah. So I'm like, you know, the New York Times, the Daily, um, 538's podcast. Uh-huh. I'll catch up on some sports stuff. I'll listen to Rachel Maddow and then I'll just like, oh, I'll take two hours and catch up on the news while sitting outside, which I guess is relaxing minus the impeachment stuff. But, but I have to like find a task. Otherwise I feel lazy or like, I don't know. What's the word? Like, um, this is why I'm a designer and not a writer. (laughs) Unproductive. (laughs) unproductive it's like you know like if you're not bringing in money you're being lazy or whatever that mindset is it's like I have to always be doing something Hmm. and does it are there when you try to sit still what happens is it are they I mean, and genuinely, like, I'm curious, because I also yeah. know you've tried, you've done, like, meditation yeah. at different points mm-hmm. in time, like, what happens if you sit still and sit stationary, like, have you tried literally just, like, being, like, the thing I'm going to do right now is fucking sit still and not yeah. do a thing, not accomplish a task, but just to sit? Yeah, what, I think this is happens? where, yeah, this is where everyone's best friend anxiety brain comes in, and it's, like, it's it's hard for me to explain things without moving my hands around that's all right (laughs) so imagine me frantically moving my head my hands around my head so it's like like busy brain right it's like all the things that I'm going to do today or all the things we can do is like oh what should our 2020 budget be or you know like uh you know if we want to splurge on Christmas gifts for the family um what should our January look like or um do we really have an efficient dishwasher enough to save us money? And what, like, it's just, it does not stop. <laughs> like stupid, benign things. It's like, it's like, oh, I got to call my mom. Oh, she said this thing. I wonder if that thing's still happening. Why are there points going to my Amazon gift card? Like, this is weird. It's just like, like, just, just, it, it, it's like, imagine like, like 1500 overlapping dialogue screenplays just cacophony of dialogue yeah yeah cacophony good word cacophony it's cacophonous yeah (laughs) i mean that really no that paints a picture and like one i like i relate to that i totally really i mean and i've also had to like go through a lot of like yeah. my the moments that I'm able to find pause are like so precious to me and are like mm-hmm. hard to accomplish. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I also feel curious that you know you you talked about kind of 
and I started to ask this and then we went down a path, but it was a helpful path. But I'm circling back here because when you, when you talked more about what it means for you to feel that this is distressing, that these habits are distressing mm -hmm. to you, it's what you're describing to me so far, and it could be that there's more to the story, but what you're describing to me so far, I, I haven't heard like, man, it, I'm just crushed under the weight of all of the things that I'm trying to do, or I feel like I'm not able to get anything done or anything like that. What I'm, the theme I'm hearing more than anything is like, it feels countercultural here. Yeah, and like countercultural to what I want too. So like, okay, we all have our life stuff. Like, you know, I want to have a really good. I want to be a really present partner. I want to be a really good PhD student, and I want to be a really good instructor to all my students who have their exhibition opening this week because they're graduating. Oh, and. I want to take advantage of the city I live in because it's the first time I've ever felt at home anywhere. And it's like, I want to be a really good dog mom and bring her and, you know, throw the ball everywhere. If you ask our neighbors, we don't have a dog. <laughs> it's like, I want to take advantage of the nice weather because I grew up in New England. And it's like, I want to like take advantage and be present all the time for all the things. And so like the only way of like holding on to the things I have, scarcity mindset, is to constantly be doing, <laughs> like constantly mm. be giving and constantly um, finding new ideas to like bring. It's like, oh, maybe we could do this this weekend or like, you know, it'd be really great if we rearranged the room in that way or like, you know, just like the constant, yeah, taking that energy inside my head and putting it out in the world. And I think that's why it's stressful because it's sort of like, oh, I'm tired some days. I yeah. just want to listen to the impeachment stuff. Yep. I mean, nobody wants to be listening to it, but sure. I want to be a good civic person. Sure. <laughs> like I want to be an informed voter. <laughs> right. America is burning and I'm concerned. Listen, don't come back here. That's what and I there's all this stuff with Syracuse University and it's oh. like, that's my great alma mater and I love it. And it's burning down to the ground. It's all, it's all a large scale dumpster fire over here. Um, so thanks for staying engaged, but I just would recommend that you don't return. <laughs> I love you so much. I mean, you stay there. Our prime minister, Scott Morrison, SCOMO, who's now part of the uh, axis of evil which is with <laughs> the UK Prime Minister and our president and the American president. So the three of them together. Woof. Yikes. <laughs> Going back to capitalism. Um, no. The struggle. Um, no, I but it's not, that stuff doesn't feel crushing. That stuff just feels darkly humorous now. Sure, sure. But um, not more dark than humorous but it's sort of just like it's not surprising anymore but that's not the stuff that's distressing of course yeah well and I mean I hear what you're saying too like I let you know when you describe what you want to be true it's being able to be present and to like enjoy a moment that you're in and not feel like you need to justify your ability to exist in the moment by being generative and productive and demonstrating your worth with your productivity. Mm. Um, and that's, I mean, it's easier said than done, but it's, yeah. it is active. I mean, what I think it takes to change that in my opinion and like what's been true for me and like, I'm not done with this by the way, but like what I've started to do mm. is this like active deprogramming of this yeah. and like what it ends up looking like for me. And I'm curious to know what your thoughts would be on this. And if this feels translatable to you is like, I have to, and I, you know, I talk about this a lot, like on Instagram or I've talked with people in other, other episodes about this and in response to people's questions, but like, it's like literally responding to my own thoughts as if it's a conversation. Mm. And yeah. so like, I'll have moments where I like, ha I'm taking a sick day, for example, mm. and I like notoriously feel guilty for taking sick days when I'm oh, yeah, really, guilt. truly sick, like sick, actually sick. Yeah. 
and need to be offline, need to be resting, whatever. But I feel like, oh, I'll just check an email or like, oh, this person has a question for me. And like they said, it could wait till tomorrow. But, and I, I have to interrogate those thoughts. And so when I have the thought of like, oh, I should really check my email. It's the first step to that is then getting myself to a place where I notice when that thought comes in and I respond with Mm -hmm. another thought of, okay, why? And that piece, it like can be transformative. And it has been for me Mm -hmm. to just literally take a moment and it's like, okay, the thoughts are going to come. And I'm not, there's not a way that we can like snap our fingers and say, Mm -hmm. like, after 33 years of being a person who's experienced the world this way, we're not, you know, Mm -hmm. there's not going to be like a magic fix to it. But Mm -hmm. what you can do is like, you're noticing this is happening already, which is why Mm -hmm. you're identifying it. You're noticing that you have the, 27 screenplays <laughs> overlapping with one another in your mind. We are now again running our hands all around our heads wildly, but you can you you're already noticing when those things are happening. So ta- mm-hmm. taking a moment as if it's like imagine that your anxiety brain is another person. And this is helpful too because it externalizes it a little bit and it it doesn't make it like self-blamey. But like, imagine your anxiety is like your friend who you love and who's really fucking annoying sometimes. And you're going to approach them tenderly, but also (laughs) firmly. And you're going to say, okay, there's a lot going on right now. Like, what's the main Mm -hmm. idea here? Like, I hear you, Karen, but you've said like 28 different things. And I like, what's the main thing you're worried about here? Oh, it's that I'm, you know, not getting my Amazon points aren't translating over into rewards on my Amazon visa. <laughs> Why is that priority right now? <laughs> you know, when you say it that way, you know, it's funny because like the guilt thing is like so key is like no one, no one in my entire life has ever made me feel any certain way about any of this. Nope. Even the worst bosses or the most unhealthy people in our personal life like no one has ever made us explicitly feel these ways but it's like so the thing that really sort of messes you up as a PhD student especially full time is like nobody because you're producing something new or in a new way so nobody knows how you should be going about the thing that you're doing Mm -hmm. You might meet, if you're really good, every two weeks with your supervisor. I have two supervisors, but I usually meet them on the same week. So in those two weeks, nobody's telling me what to do. Nobody knows what I should be doing. You sort of have to steward your own map, which I'm into. I love that stuff. Yep. But like part of that is like keeping yourself honest and accountable. So I'll be like, oh, I'll need to read a few articles today, or I'll need to write a few paragraphs or whatever it is. Find a conference to apply to. And like, if I don't do those things, mainly because something has come up or I'm just tired or I'm coming down with a cold, I feel incredibly guilty to myself, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I know I'm going to get to those things. I always do, namely because of the overworking aspect of my life. But it's like, if I read three articles, not 13, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's not, I don't get an award for reading a lot. I don't get an award for writing a lot. I don't like, it's not even like I'm, it's not even like I'm graded on this stuff. It's sort of like, are you doing, are you doing this? Are you progressing? Cool. I don't have to prove anything to my supervisors. They're lovely people who know me and I love them, but it's so funny. It's like, oh, I didn't get to that thing. And then like, I can't relax because I do the task that is arbitrarily set by myself. And it's, I mean, it's incredible the way that we are our own, like, I mean, it's just like a little trite, but like our own worst critics. We are are the people who are the hardest on ourselves. No one Mm -hmm. is going to be as hard on us as we are on ourselves. I think that's true for so many people. Mm -hmm. And I also think it's interesting how like when we have, when our anxiety brain kicks in and has a thought about like, oh, I should have done, I should have read 13 articles and instead I read three, that is bad. The instinct (laughs) is like to accept that as fact, to be like, I feel bad about it, I feel guilty, I should have done this thing, 
but instead I did this and it's bad and it's not good enough. And the automatic thought is going to occur. Like we're going to feel guilt. And like, again, like existing in a capitalist system where our, our worth is measured by how much we're producing means Mm. that if we're producing less than we plan to, it's going to feel like failure. That's like what is programmed Mm. into us. And then, so it's those, that those thoughts come up makes sense logically. Mm. But then the way I think, I think the thing that's really transformative in beginning to deconstruct that and tear it down a little bit is like, what can really kind of have that whole narrative pull apart is just literally to pause and and say like, oh, my brain is telling me I have done something wrong. I have failed. I should be guilty Mm -hmm. because I read three articles and not 13 to respond to that and ask why, why Mm -hmm. is 13 the number? Why is three not good enough? Mm. And often you're not going to be able to generate a good answer for that question. And then the question is like, who benefits from you feeling shitty about this right now? Who benefits from it? Who benefits from, and you know, this is an interest, the PhD is an interesting example because you know, is it like the academic industrial complex? Is that a thing? I just made that up. <laughs> I mean, like if you put it. It's real. <laughs> there you go. There oh you man, go. the egos. The egos are just so funny to me because they don't, like, they're not, like, recognizable to me. Because, like, you know, I'm used to this ego of, like, coming from, like a like, a physical place. Like, look how many emails I've returned or like you know manual labor stuff but like in academia it's like look at all my thinking Mm, look (laughs) at my thoughts not a real job (laughs) what thinking that's hilarious i'm getting used to that that it's that brain (laughs) that big old lady brain in there they lawfully let me use it sometimes. Oh my gosh. That's so nice that they let you use your lady it's brain. It's wild. Um. <laughs> no, but it is. It's, it, and I know this is like, I recognize that this is such a, um, like, almost, dare I say, epidemic amongst our our, our um, generation, namely because of the, the side gig economy or just the gig economy or just yeah, whew, freelancing and consulting and coaching for you mm-hmm. yeah brings you it's joy. Real. sparks joy for you though it's real it and it does but it's also like you know how do we pull those things apart how do we let ourselves have things that are just and I mean that's interesting it's like what you're describing was like what you were saying like I don't really have any hobbies because we think of hobbies as like what are things you just do for joy that you just do for <laughs> fun and like you know, you talk about running, but you talk about running as like a way to alleviate anxiety and like stay yeah. healthy. And, you know, there's a purpose. Yeah. Behind it. And for the record, I don't like running. <laughs> it is awful. <laughs> it does not spark joy. It's, I mean, of course you like it, like after the fact you do, but like, I don't look forward to running. Why am I doing this then? <laughs> uh, you know why I do it? Because it's cheap and free. <laughs> well, you just run on the, but no, so like, so in that moment, I was like, I don't, like, the last thing I want to do when I'm exercising is have other people see me exercise. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds awful, especially in the Australian heat. I get very red, but also like, it's just not fun. Like, I don't want to be like, so it's like, okay, I, we have a bike. I'll get an indoor bike trainer, you know, the thing that you just, yeah, the bike on too and you could ride it like a stationary bike that's what I'm gonna do have I done it no because it costs money <laughs> this sure. is what I was like I have the money I have the money to do this a thousand times over am I gonna do it I promised myself I would buy it for a Christmas gift for me oh I love that idea so I've set a task and if I don't get it done by Christmas you know I'm gonna feel guilty over it <laughs> but sure. it's, it's like I'm trying to hustle my health, you know? Well, and you're, you know, there's some of it too that's like, 
some of it is like you, you know, you want to feel like you're living your life a different way. You want to be able to be present in a different way. And so like, those are things you want to change. But then there's also like, I mean, I think that is funny and cute. Like there's some things that are just knowing yourself, like that you're like, if I make this a task, like if I set a deadline for myself on this, that means I will get it done because that's how my brain works. I'm deadline oriented. And so, Mm. you know, we also like, and yes, is it, it's causing you to stress. It's something that you want to feel different in your life. And so I, you know, I don't want to say like, hell, don't change it. It's great. It's adaptive. (laughs) But I think there's also like, we don't, you know, there are some ways that having this as a part of your personality, like doesn't necessarily have to be a bad thing if it's not feeling Mm. bad to you. So I also think, you know, for some people, they are people who like to hustle, who like to always be doing something that like they sit at stationary and they're bored and they think it's more fun to like live life kind of bopping around and working mm-hmm. on 28 million things at once and it feels good to them. And to those folks, I would say that's fucking awesome. If you are living your life in a way that feels good to you and, and you're able to accomplish it, that's outstanding. I, I will be curious to hear, are you okay with me checking back in with you in about a yeah. week? See what you're yeah. and I know this is not earth shattering stuff, but it's the stuff that probably annoys everybody about their own life. Listen, don't say that because for some I mean for some people this feel this can feel and it can be so intrusive that it is earth shattering. I mean Well it is funny, like I do remember I remember so vividly when that therapist asked me that question. Because like we were just like talking. Is she somebody who had seen a peace course when they've tried to reacclimate to American culture. And of course, what did I do? Go straight into grad school in New York City. <laughs> it's healthy. And uh, she just like, matter of factly, just asked me that question in the middle of whatever I was talking through. And I don't think I had ever recognized that I didn't have any hobbies. And I go, well, I like, I like watching sports. And she's like, that's not a hobby. Like, what's that? And then, like, I, 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 like, didn't know what a hobby was. And I was like, wait a minute. I'm having Wait, this existential crisis. Why is watching a sports not a hobby? I feel like well, I would argue I, that that's a hobby. Because I think, I think it was like, uh, sometimes I go to the pub and watch sports. And mm. so I think I, like, the way I said it. Because, of course, I didn't have any cable. I don't have cable in New York. So it's like, oh, yeah, sometimes I go to the, you know, the Boston bar and watch Boston sports. It's like, that's not a hobby. And she didn't say it like that. She was... Wonderful. She was a beautiful human being. Still is probably. But uh <laughs> but I was like, I I don't know if I could even answer that all these years later. What's a hobby? Do millennials have hobbies? Or do we just have tasks and things that we externalize our anxiety? <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's really um, nothing earth shattering, but I'm not convinced. Shattered, yet it millenn- shattered my earth. <laughs> I, I'm not convinced that millennials have hobbies. I, I would, I want, I want us to. All right, this is what I'm gonna source from when I post this episode. I'm gonna also ask people: If you're a millennial, what are your hobbies? Do you have them? Or are you just externalizing and displacing your anxiety? Or is all your anxiety from your childhood scarcity mindset manifesting itself in a to-do list that's running on a loop in your brain and trying to avoid getting consumed by it is your hobby? Is that a hobby? Finding a new productivity app is not a hobby. What? (laughs) I switched over my, (laughs) I switched to a new calendaring scheduling app for my business today and that was one of the most fun parts of my day is that a hobby (laughs) no oh god no well now that we've spiraled into existential i'm not convinced that any of us have hobbies anymore so everyone please um please let us know by (laughs) maybe it's an american thing maybe americans don't have hobbies Mm. Okay, so send it, everyone send an email to hello at aubreyhenderson.com listing your top three hobbies. How does one find hobbies? How do you, what is this?
Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you loved it, please take a second to subscribe on your favorite platform, leave a rating or a review, and take a screenshot and share it on social media or with a friend who needs to hear a message like this one. I love the chance to hear from you and connect with you because it gives me the opportunity to remind you that you are worthy, worthy of wholeness and happiness and just good things. So send me the question or the topic that's keeping you up at night or that you just want to hear more about. You can send me a voice memo at anchor.fm slash Aubrey Henderson, and I can actually include any voice memos that you send me in the show, which I think is pretty rad. Or you can send a good old-fashioned written message from my website at aubreyhenderson.com. I'll see you next time, babes.